Welcome to From Concept to Creation, the podcast where we invite everyone to uncover the process of research with us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Kate Morgan, instructional designer at Penn State World Campus. And I'm Jen Jarson, head librarian at Penn State Lehigh Valley. And get your protractors ready, because today we're talking with... Because today we're talking with three students who are aspiring engineers, Toby Field, Mary Wilson, and Ethan Davies. I have not thought about a protractor since I don't even know when. My dad was an electrical engineer and he literally had them like next to his chair. He loved protractors. So for me, engineering and protractors are forever entwined. I'm sorry if I'm stereotyping, but that's just what I think of. I remember them being kind of fun myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a fond memory. (laughs) So we're talking with Toby, Mary, and Ethan in this episode. They're all engineering students currently based at the University Park campus, but just a shout out to Lehigh Valley. Toby and Ethan started at Lehigh Valley before transferring to University Park. All three of those students are set to graduate this spring, spring 2024. So um, exciting times for them. Very cool. I don't know about you, Kate, but I felt like this conversation really brought to light some important themes under this, you know, umbrella from concept to creation. What stood out to you? What's what are your first thoughts? Well, I really was surprised. Like I mentioned before, my father was an engineer and he was very, you know, methodical and very math heavy. I don't know. He just loved to do math problems. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they came at it with a really fresh, creative perspective, which, Mm -hmm. you know, you normally don't put those two words together initially because of stereotypes, which I definitely think they're breaking. And Mm -hmm. I was really inspired by the way they were talking about how they use creativity to solve their problems Mm -hmm. and the, the, the team feeling they have together and how they really want to think outside the box and Mm -hmm. change the world and the reputation of engineers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I loved that idea of creativity that really came out of the conversation as well. I think they were saying that through research, that's really the primary context in which they're able to practice that kind of creativity. That was where they felt they had more freedom to explore. And that stood out to me too, you know, this idea of doing research in all the different contexts. They were just talking about how all the skills that they're building through these experiences and how those skills connect, how they can transfer skills from one context to another. That really stood out to me. Yeah, I think there's a lot to glean from this episode. So we should hear it from them. Let's get going. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So glad to have you guys. So we'd like to start by learning a bit more about who you all are. Can you maybe get us started with some basics, like what your majors are, what campuses you're affiliated with, and when you expect to graduate? Um, Mary, why don't you go first? Absolutely. I'm a rising senior studying mechanical engineering at Penn State. I've been at University Park so far all three years and next year. Yeah. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for being here. Ethan, how about you next? I'm also a rising senior. Uh, I spent my first two years at the Lehigh Valley campus um, and my last year at University Park. I'm in civil engineering with an environmental focus, uh, and I'm graduating in 2024. Thanks, Ethan. And Toby, how about you? I'm a rising senior as well. Um, I'm a civil engineering focus as well, but with a structural focus. And I was at the Lehigh Valley campus uh, for my first two years. And then for my last year, I'll be at University Park too. Excellent. 
So we know that you've worked together as a team, but I'm not sure if that was maybe the first kind of research experience you had, that team experience. I'm just curious to learn a little bit more about how you got started with research and then how you met each other, whether those are the same or different things. Toby, why don't you start? Yeah, so I first was introduced to research through my engineering professor, Professor uh, Carbonetto. In her uh, Physics 1 class, um, she mentioned to me about a unique opportunity that Penn State has called the um, multi-campus undergraduate research experience. And basically, they prepare you to you know, do research by having like um, small mini classes um, that just give you tips and tricks on how to do your research project. Uh, and they also um, pay you to do research over the summer as well. So it's kind of like a job too. And Professor Carbonetto um, suggested we do a topic on uh, snow loads with, um, it was funny because when we de- uh, decided to do it, there was a massive snowstorm and a bowling alley pretty close to me collapsed due to the snow. So we thought about how we could turn that into a research project. So we, uh, we spent a good amount of time. I went out in the uh, field actually to visit the site and just see like the damage. Was the snow loads the idea of the research or was it because this roof collapsed or was it just kismet that they happened at the same time? It was only because the, uh, the roof collapsed. Um, okay. I, was, I uh, mentioned it to her about the roof and she's like, oh, let's have a project on snow loads. Cause um, <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, it was like, it was meant to be, but yeah, the collapse was a good driving factor behind it. We had a pretty good, um, project uh, and we presented at the MCRU. I was also part of the regional um, symposium for the spring of 2022. Me, Ethan, and Fraud, who was our other research partner, we all worked on that. And we ended up placing first in the STEM category. So I was pretty proud of that. Nice. Um, and we ended up going to uh, the regional one um, in Schuylkill, uh, Schuylkill campus. Um, so yeah, and then um, I'm currently doing uh, research um, for my honors thesis Um, with log homes and just looking at the properties they have. Um, So, yeah. Wow. So it sounds like, Toby, you're saying that you kind of first got introduced to ideas or prospects about research through a class and then participating through the MCREU had additional experience. And now you're doing even more independent work through your thesis project. Did I kind of capture that? Yeah. Interesting. Very cool. Thanks, Toby. Ethan, um, give us a snapshot of how you came to get involved in research. I got involved in research uh, during my sophomore year. I got involved also through Professor Carbonetto uh, and did the uh, spring uh, research symposium with Blue Valley. I did. It was the project that I did with me, Toby, and uh, our other group member, Fwad. Dr. Carbonetto also got me involved in the EDGE program, Oh yeah, which is experiential uh, digital global engagement program, mm-hmm. where we worked with researchers from Palestine and Tunisia, who are also students. And we just sort of worked together on ideas to solve global problems, which was a great experience. And then, of course, in the summer, we did I did the MCRU program, which had a lot of great classes to sort of help through um, doing research. And I plan on doing research in the fall. Did your experience in that EDGE program kind of fuel your interest in focusing on environmental engineering, or did the environmental part come before that? The environmental part came before that, but the work that we were doing was definitely environmentally friendly, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. I I know my group was uh, researching reverse vending machines, Mm. so vending machines where it pays people or rewards people to recycle. You're sort of doing research on the concept and wow. how it could be maybe applied on a larger scale. Very cool. Yeah, it is cool. And Mary, how about you? How did you get involved in research? 
So last summer, the project that I did with Toby, Ethan, and Fouad was my first research experience. I, early in the summer, I had done another program abroad. So then I was coming back. I was like, oh, I want to do research. So it was cool that we could do it virtually, which is the mm-hmm. setting that we met on Zoom and everything. It was mainly coding. So that was my first research experience, which was really fun. And also because I wanted to get involved with research prior to deciding on my honors thesis, which I began this past semester in the spring of my junior year, and we'll be conducting that throughout my senior year. Um, and for that, I'm doing improving performance and minimizing fatigue in 3D printed prosthetic finger joints. Very cool. Wow. I know it's hard to even wrap my head around that. Like, <laughs> like how did you narrow it down to that? <laughs> We'll get into that in a little bit, but I'm sure there's some (laughs) help you had. So many interesting projects you guys have been involved in. I can see sort of similarities and differences across your paths. I was thinking as you all were talking, I don't have an engineering background myself, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't either. So you each sort of have a different angle or perspective that you're bringing to this collaboration, right? Like, Toby, you're a civil engineering major, but with a structural focus. Ethan, you're civil engineering with an environmental focus. Mary, you're in mechanical engineering. Could you guys each maybe define your different disciplinary perspective for us to understand where you're coming from? Maybe, Mary, you could go first. Well, honestly, going into freshman year, I knew I wanted to do engineering, but I wasn't sure what discipline I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So at first I was thinking chemical because I was like, oh, like I like chemistry in high school. But I was like, after taking chem, like it went well and everything, but I was like, I'm not that into this. <laughs> so um, yeah. So then I was torn, I think, between environmental, biomedical, and architectural. Those are like the three like random. And I was like, okay, well, if I wanted to do any of those, if I got a bachelor's in mechanical, I could go into any of those fields mm. based on the mechanics you learn. Because like, I do want to go to grad school. I always knew I wanted to do like at least a master's. So I was like, okay, like if I want to do a specific, more specific concentration down the road, I'll have the background that I can go into any of those. And then after deciding on mechanical, then I got really interested after my thermodynamics class. Shout out Dr. O'Connor Queen. She was my professor for that class. I love her. Um, she's also my advisor anyway but my point is that she was a really good professor and i was really interested in thermo and then i got interested in energy systems and then i think that's what made me solidify that i was happy i chose mechanical going to the energy route. so what you're saying is there's a there's an engineering for everybody out there they just need to find their path that's what i'm hearing anyway <laughs> absolutely Great way to see it. Okay, so Toby and Ethan, tell us a little bit more about what civil engineering means from both of your perspectives. Ethan, why don't you go first? Yeah, so specifically from my perspective of environmental engineering, like what I'm doing with water resources and wastewater management, it's like the rest of civil engineering. All of civil engineering is is designed to be environmentally sustainable. Like when Mm. we did uh, the project, we had a whole segment where we were talking about how it was uh, benefiting the environment by, even though it was just like lines of code, you know, because the idea for the product was to put out something where engineers would be able to find the forces on a beam, which would affect how sustainable the beam is, how much stress it's under. And as a civil engineer, from like even a structural side, how it could be environmentally sustainable is when uh, materials don't break, when materials are built to last, they don't cause waste, they don't cause damage as often. And that is sustainable practice when you build things to last. Okay. Um, 
That's really helpful. So if we're saying mechanical engineering is more power producing machines, is I think kind of what you were saying, Mary. And then Ethan, you're saying in civil engineering with a sustainability environmental focus, it's really about how to make infrastructure projects more sustainable, more environmentally friendly. Is that kind of, am I getting yes, everything you're because, saying? Because when things work well, when you are a good structural engineer, you are helping the environment in that way. Got it. Okay. okay. And then Toby, you have a structural focus. So the first thing I think of is bridges. Tell me if I'm like on the right path. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, civil engineering is very broad. I mean, right. when I think of civil engineering, I think of, you know, Golden Gate Bridge, right. Hoover Dam, skyscrapers, you know, you know, massive freeways, that type of stuff. When I was doing the project too, I um, had an internship with PennDOT and I was part of their bridge design unit. And doing that on top of the project, I kept thinking, okay, how can I relate this calculator to building a bridge? So I was fortunate to get some feedback from some of the um, co-workers there on, on our project. When I think civil engineering, I always I uh, don't really think of the environmental stuff. It's not my cup of tea, but it's important. So we can't ignore mm-hmm. it. But yeah, doing the research project, I was thinking, how, how can I relate this to you know somebody building a bridge? Got it. Okay. So going back to what you're saying about this project that you all worked on together, when you came together in the MCREU project, tell me if I heard you correctly, you basically wanted to figure out how to design your own calculator in order to help engineers figure out how the shape and design of a beam could um, fail Handle or not. stress. Thank or, you. That's yeah. the word. Handle stress. <laughs> is that, so you're actually, by the time you're together in your MCRU, you're designing a calculator of your own? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> with all was out there, so we decided to make her own. Okay. Yeah. So walk us through your first, like what's step one? Like what happens in order to design a calculator? I think the biggest thing we said when we first started was, okay, well, uh, how are we going to write the code for this? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I certainly never done anything like this before. So um, Ethan, Mary, you can back me up. But I was, I think we spent the first few weeks just trying to figure out kind of, we put together kind of like a pseudo code. It's basically code, but written in text. Like I want this section to do this, um, but it's not like in the proper format. So mm-hmm. we spent a while just trying to figure out what's going to go into this because mm-hmm. it was uh, something we'd never done before. So you're kind of trying to figure out what you want the calculator, how you want it to function without actually putting it in coding language to tell it what to do. You're just trying to figure out the big picture idea first, you mean? Right. And then you dove into the code to like retrofit it into what you wanted it to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. The previous calculator that was like not, wasn't fulfilling the needs we used slightly as a point of reference. Some of the parameters we were using was like the number of supports, um, the different types of steel. And basically the idea was just to like make it so that the user can input what they needed and use it as a cross-reference. So instead of them just having to like calculate things on their own, like this would just use the equations and find it all for them, like including all the parameters that they want to solve for. So what does the day-by-day experience of that work look like? Like your first meeting, was it just you three talking, brainstorming? Was there like referencing scholarly articles? I think one of our first meetings, it was the four team members, and then Professor Carbonetto. And we also had another advisor, Dr. Solnowski, who was helpful, kind of getting our legs under us a little bit Mm -hmm. and just talking about like, okay, like kind of as Toby was mentioning with like the concept of having pseudocode being like, okay, well, sequentially, what do we want it to do? Because code is very like, it has to be in the right order. It won't run properly. Mm -hmm. Or, and also just like sequentially with like, when you're prompting the user to enter things, Mm -hmm. you want it to be in the right order. So basically, in the beginning, I think it was very like theoretical, like, okay, what are our, what are our priorities? What do we want 
and to be able to do. And also what are our limitations based on what we know about coding, based on what we know about beam analysis? Like what are the limitations that we can and cannot consider while we're doing this? This sounds like a pretty intensive, like how many hours were needed to even have this project happen? Or did you all, did you all dedicate the same amount of time or were you like just kind of always thinking about it all summer long? We did have group Zoom calls a lot, which I thought was really nice because we we so easily could have just been like, okay, we portioned off, like you do this part, you do that part because it was virtual and it's code. We all like did some work outside of those meetings as well, individually when we're working on different aspects of it. I know with a lot of us having um, jobs as well, um, we were able to fit it in. Um, We had like, as Mary said, um, weekly meetings and I was able to work on it. I I leave like an hour or two um, during the weekdays and I worked on it a little more over the weekends. Um, it, it varied. Of course, when deadlines were approaching, I think I was working on it closer more to those 40 hours, but it varied throughout the summer. We we had a pretty good routine. We did a pretty good job setting uh, like our own deadlines uh, weekly. So we would say to our professors, you know, we'll get this done this week. What do you think? And they'll be like, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. They'll get us closer to our goal. Mm-hmm. The whole project was like more like writing a book almost. That's how, mm-hmm. sort of how it felt where after we got past the initial brainstorming phase, it was like you would write a part and then you'd be like, okay, cool. The part works. And then you got to write the next part and you write the next part and you're like, oh, cool. We should have this feature. We should have this feature. And you just keep writing parts until the summer's over. So mm-hmm. you just, we started really simple, with maybe like 10 lines of code. And then we, next week you added another 10 lines and until we got something that was pretty cool. It sounds like you guys had a lot of past knowledge and skills from your courses that you were applying here. Is that right? Or were you learning new skills as you went through this project too, in order to help fuel the work or both maybe? I felt like there was some coursework involved, definitely, Mm -hmm. because we had um, a class in MATLAB and Mm -hmm. a classes in uh, engineering mechanics. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was overall just a totally different experience doing Mm. the research than um, what we did in class. I'm personally like an advocate for just doing research because it's, it's so much different from what you would do in class. Mm. Um, You do totally different aspects and you really get to like try things out that you aren't able to do in class. Mm. Yeah. I feel like in the classroom, when you're given an assignment, you know what to do, you know, Mm -hmm. okay, this is the answer. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when you get, um, when you start your project, you're like, okay, well, there's no answer how I'm, I'm going to have to figure it out on my own. And it's kind of just that I have all this free will. I can kind of make up my process. I don't have a professor that's going to want me to do it a certain way. They prepared me with the fundamentals, but it's up to me to use those to actually find the solution. Interesting. Yeah, I agree. I would say I really like how Toby phrased that with like, there is no solution. Like that's like your whole job through research is finding that. And mm-hmm. also because it's more of the applicability of what you learned in school as opposed to just like, okay, here's a practice problem. Here's the answer key. Like you like can like check your work that way. And of course you can check your methods through research, but double checking with a professor and advisor, but there's not a written solution for that, that you can just reference. It's definitely applying what you learn rather than just practicing it. Mm. I love hearing about, you know, your experience applying and adapting what you were learning in the classroom in this real world setting and, you know, without knowing what the final solution would look like. I'm guessing that it wasn't smooth sailing every step of the way. Like, were there moments where things like felt like they were not going as expected or as you'd hoped or like moments where maybe it 
felt like it was totally going off the rails or did you feel like you were progressing, you know, successfully each step of the way? I'd say, well, one thing that's kind of unique to coding, it can be applicable to other things as well, but like if there's one small detail amiss, the whole thing won't run. And then Mm -hmm. I feel like there will be times just like identifying the problem. And it does typically be like, oh, like this might be what's wrong or something. But I would say I felt like we were always making progress and then I was optimistic about it. And like, because we, since we were having those intermittent check-ins with our advisors, making sure we were on some sort of track, we weren't just like aimlessly, okay, the deadline's in August, you know, like we had a structure, which was good. Mm -hmm. But I feel like with anything, there's like some complications, but overall, I thought it was pretty good in that way. It's kind of a fascinating and really good lesson. I mean, most people freak out when things go wrong and then they throw their hands up in frustration. So how do you fight through the frustration? How do you how do you think about it or what kind of mindset do you have so that you're not, you know, quitting? I feel like a big factor is definitely taking a break. Mm. I know I found myself writing the parts of the code uh, and the graphs wouldn't work out. And there were times, you know, I wanted to throw my computer out the window, but I decided <laughs> okay, the best thing to do, just sit down, take a break. And I also feel one of the perks about having multiple research partners is, you know, asking this isn't working for me. Can I get a new fresh set of eyes to take a look at it? And I mean, that definitely worked. I mean, we had times where people pointed out like a missing semicolon or this line shouldn't be here. So that's, it's definitely beneficial working in a team. They're able to Hmm. take some of the load off and kind of keep our minds fresh. Would you say that this type of research has like made you more interested in research has like launched you into other areas has made it very open to you? Like, oh, this is, this is how research works. Now I want to do this and this and, and that kind of thing. I would say for myself personally, since it was my first research experience, it definitely made me more interested in doing research in the future. And one thing specific to the MCRU program that I really enjoyed was in addition to our research project and having check-ins with our advisor and obviously meeting with each other all the time, was that we had these like training sessions or like professional development sessions and just like info sessions about what we were doing. And I thought that was a really nice addition because it wasn't just like you're isolated with your project. Not that that would necessarily be bad, but like Mm -hmm. it gave a nice, just more depth Mm -hmm. to, yeah, Mm a nice balance to the experience as a whole, especially with it being virtual. It just added more to the experience, which I thought was really nice. And it gave more information about other research opportunities. So it's like, okay, like after I do this, I'm interested in doing research now. Oh, here's all perfect. Here's all these places I can look for future research. So I thought it was really smart of them to structure it that way. It sounds really fun. And and it seems like, and now you're all involved with Engineers Without Borders. Is that the name of it? Like, tell me a little more about that. Ethan, if you want to start. Uh, I could start, but Mary probably has more to say. She's the president of the club, but we're uh, a club at Penn State who are all uh, working together as part of the uh, nonprofit organization, Engineers Without Borders, which is a much larger organization, but we're just the Penn State chapter of it. And we're working on a project in Uganda, delivering water to a small village. And it's definitely a big problem with a lot of different fields of engineering involved. Um, There's some civil engineering, there's some fluids engineering, there's some, you know, energy engineering, there's a lot of different stuff involved. And it's really cool. This sounds really interesting. Our chapter is paired with the Rotary Club. So that's why we are currently focused on this water distribution project. So we're paired with the community of Namutamba, Uganda. And we've done other projects as well. I believe my sophomore year, we were working 
uh, yeah, my sophomore year, we were working on a water filtration system for a school in India, which was completed within the year. We actually partnered with a company on that, which was cool. So we got funding. That is one thing that is as an organization that's fully like fundraising mm. supported. That's one thing. But um, yeah, so we're making the water distribution system, the transmission system for our project, which is basically from the drilled borehole of like in the ground mm-hmm. um, to the pump that's fully engineered based on project work. So the only hindrance towards like implementing that is just funding as of right now. And then in the upcoming year, we're going to be working on the distribution system. So basically like bringing the water to a bunch of different areas in the community. And yeah, so it's really great organization. I got involved my freshman year. I simply found it online or the clubs and I think there was a involvement fair, but it was virtual because it was fall 2020, of course. I, so freshman year, I'm in my dorm on Zoom. We're talking about like making pump, doing all these different things. And at first you're like, okay, like, is anything I'm doing actually contributing to this greater cause? Because they had just started the Uganda project in 2019 was when they did the assessment trip to Uganda. That was the previous time they had traveled um, before COVID and everything. So I really enjoy like, community service and stuff. So I thought it was really a cool way to merge engineering with humanitarian work. The organization overall is really cool. You can get involved as much or as little as you want. And all three of us have gotten involved, which is really exciting. So for example, like my freshman year, I was just a regular like general body member doing work in a subgroup. Sophomore year, I was a sub lead. So there's different subgroups within the club that work on different project work. So my subgroup, we were working on the India water filtration system that year. And then my junior year, I was logistics lead. So that's basically in charge of fundraising, events, different things like that. And then, yeah, this upcoming year, I'm president, which is exciting. That is exciting. So, yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> this is so interesting to hear about because I think most people's mental models, or at least mine, about what happens in clubs is not what you're describing. Like this is very action oriented and sounds super time intensive to really like bring this project to life in this real world setting in a club. I guess I'm curious about how many people are involved in all the different parts of this Uganda project to make such a big thing happen. How how much you know time are you all putting into this and how many folks are contributing? Basically, what it is for this project is the Penn State EWB chapter and then the Rotary Club, which is the one we're paired with, is located in Washington, D.C., and then Nagatamba, Uganda's community there. We have people in the country office in Uganda in the community who are engineers. They how We meet with them via Zoom, of course. Um, we meet with people in the Rotary Club, just be, making sure that we're on track. And we also have uh, faculty advisors, Dr. Regan and Dr. Thede at University Park Campus. They're both great. Dr. Regan is traveling with us in August, which is exciting. So basically, the main layout is we have in the officers board, we have project leads who are basically like the key liaisons between the community and project work and the general members in the club. So we have weekly meetings for the general body members. So basically, like, and for anyone who's in the club, that's every Tuesdays at seven. Any listeners interested, <laughs> reach out, follow us on Instagram. Anyway, okay. But um, but yeah, so every we'll have weekly meetings and the project leads will discuss, okay, like this is the updates from this past week. This is the work you're going to be doing in your subgroups. And then from there, so sub leads report to the project leads. So then the sub leads 
their constituents are the general body members. They basically like, okay, like this is what we discussed with the project leads this is what we're going to be working on this week. Each team is focused on something different. There's tank, pump, there was an energy group and piping hmm. were the four main groups this past year. Since we were fully focused on the Uganda project this past year and we'll be this upcoming year, unless we find another. We also do like smaller projects too within the community where we could find them, like even like in the US. But right now the main focus is the Uganda project. So yeah. So you're going to Uganda in August to implement it to what what's happening in August? The trip in August is both to like work on like community relations with the people there, like because we have been working with them for such a long time since 2019. Again, people haven't been there since 2019. And then also ideally, as of right now, we will be purchasing the piping for the transmission part. So basically from the borehole, which is drilled. So that was a whole thing, like in past years identifying doing geographical surveys where can you drill to find water in this area so one time we drilled and there was a failed attempt and then we drilled again and it was success there's actually more water yield than we needed so it's really exciting um so that's when, when i say borehole that's what that means it's mm-hmm. a this source of water from the ground so ideally we might be laying some of the piping while we're there um mm. the community might be doing some of the earthwork prior to our arrival if that's what we end up doing so that's a plan as of right now. I hope that's oh. the case of us helping laying piping and everything and also just meeting community. So this episode will not be airing until the fall, but maybe we could do a follow-up or yeah. something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So Toby and Ethan, what's your involvement in this Uganda project? Ethan, tell us about, about your role first. I'm on the piping team. Well, I was on the piping team last uh, year. I just joined uh, junior year because uh, mm-hmm. Mary told us about the club through the MCRU. So this is my first year working with them. I help with designing the uh, piping for the team, but I also work with all the other groups. I actually just recently got us a potential supplier and I'm working with project leads and sort of getting the materials that we need for the project. This following year, um, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to be working with, but I'm going to definitely try to have a role. feel like I have a lot of, a decent bit of civil engineering experience at this point that I'll be able to contribute. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Toby? Yeah. I work on the uh, piping team as well. Okay. What I think was, was great is it's really, if you think about it, it is really kind of like research. Our big goal before the end of the semester was to kind of put all of our findings into like a report that we would give the project leads, as Mary was saying, so they could actually kind of formulate what we had. So over over the course of the meetings, we were pretty much just looking at research of uh, potential ways. And it was great to, um, to work with a, a bunch of the general body members of the club. And there were aerospace engineers, there were industrial engineers, there was all types of, you know, it wasn't just, you know, civil and mechanical, all types. And it was really interesting to hear their opinions, their solutions. So we were able to come up with some pretty good findings. So yeah, it was a great experience. It's interesting to hear about through the MCRU experience, through the club and and the work you're doing there. It's interesting to hear about all the different mentors and advisors that you're interacting with. You know, Professor Carbonetto obviously was a big mentor to all of you. And you mentioned also Professor Solnowski was involved in that. Now, you know, through this club, you have, it sounds like faculty members who are helping advise you, but also all these people out in the community and the professional world who you're working with too. You know, it strikes me in the in the sort of formal mentoring relationships that I've had that I haven't always known how to make good use of my mentors, or I haven't always been like the best at facilitating that relationship with my mentor. Even I didn't always know even what to expect like from a mentor. And I'm just curious what your experience with that has been. Like, how have these mentors helped you throughout the way? What has that looked like? And how have you made the best use of those folks who are who are there for you? 
I, I mean, I, I speak very highly of Professor Carmineto. I've had a great experience um, with all my mentors. I, I'd say like, don't, don't be shy. Um, mm-hmm. If you're, if you're, you know, anybody listening that's doing research, these people, they're taking the time. They, they generally care and they, they want to help. These people might have like really deep backgrounds in the research you're doing. I know Professor Carmineto as a mechanical engineer, she's used to doing all sorts of structural system. So she, you know, you could go down the rabbit hole and ask all these questions and she'll be able to give you great advice. So definitely don't, don't be scared to ask questions. Um, they're there to help you. And I know, um, there's other resources out there, you know, the library, you're more than happy to give you resources. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, make use of it. These people, they really want to help you. I, mm-hmm. I found out. It's important to be proactive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of what Toby was saying, like people, like professors often, just advisors in general, like they're here to help you and they want to see you succeed. And like just being able to ask questions. I know sometimes that's really scary to be like, oh, I don't like realizing like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing or, oh, I don't know the answer to this question. Is this a good question? Should I already know this? Like, I know personally, like when I started my research this past semester for my thesis with the new like research group and everything, like I had done obviously the MCRU program, but I hadn't done an in-person lab experience so i'm coming in there's all these grad students in this lab like hey like i don't know anything about prosthetics i don't know what a rolling contact joint is which is like the premise of my project (laughs) (laughs) so like like things like that like starting from square one and and being honest with my advisor and just be like like obviously like have enough like engineering knowledge to be able to like approach things and like think reasonably of course but just being honest like if somebody says something that you don't quite know what it means and like, like maybe you might know what it is, but just like asking for clarification on things is not like embarrassing or bad. And just because that way, I know this is so cheesy, but like often like questions that you have other people have as well, mm-hmm. or just like clarifying things is not something to be afraid of or ashamed of because it helps you grow as an individual and also builds your confidence in the field because you know, you definitely know what you're talking about as opposed to, Oh, like, I'm pretty sure this is right. But I never really asked just like, solidifying is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Ethan, how about you? Any thoughts on on how to make good use of mentors? Yeah, um, a lot of it is just honestly like asking them, like Toby said, not being afraid to um, just just go up and ask for, you know, most of these professors at Penn State, they do research or they have done research. I, I, I guarantee anyone listening, if you have like, if you have like four or five classes, I guarantee at least like two or three are doing some sort of would be okay with like being a mentor for some sort of research. Yeah, just just ask. Um, there's a, oh, there's a ton of different programs, a ton for undergraduates. Anything that you want to do, um, they probably have research for it. So mm-hmm. I was just thinking, like you, you've each mentioned, like I know Mary, you were talking about grad school, and that you know you're you're very interested in the environmental portion, Ethan. And like now that you've gotten your foot wet with some research and you've really diversified in some of the stuff you've done, are you looking at ways to enhance your future jobs or your marketability or to verify that these are the areas you want to get into? Like, is is any of the uh, those things crossing your mind? Like, not only are you doing research that interests you, but you're also building your quote unquote resume or your applications, basically. Definitely going back to what you said about um, a resume builder. I know the second I was in the program, I threw it right on right my resume. And I have to say, doing the MCRU for the past two summers definitely helped me get uh, the internship I am in now. It's a great way to you know get involved. It's a great way to 
show employers you're willing to go above and beyond, you know, applying your knowledge to, you know, make something useful, maybe something that society can use later that can solve problems. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I believe that research is a lot like internships. Um, except instead of like, well, one internship is uh, for a company or a type of work. Uh, research is like an internship for a topic, you know, an internship for this thing. So you can look into it. And if you like love it and it's what you dreamed your classes were, then that's great. And if it's something that you like don't like and you're like, I don't want to do this with my career, then that's also really valuable to know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Even even if it's something you're on the fence of, that's like a topic I recommend doing it. You know? mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's really interesting too, because, you know, there are stereotypes for every career field and the engagement level that you guys are talking about and your, your ability to like reach outside yourself and look to a future that you might have an impact on, whether it's, you know, through a building or through helping um, some people in Uganda, like it, it just it really breaks the paradigm a little bit. Like you, you know, you're not just sitting there coding, you're, you're doing so many things that are so impactful and have this forethought. It just seems like engineers are often thinking, how can I improve the world, the environment, you know, someone else's world, which is really kind of magical, honestly. So I'm a convert. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Kind of to Ethan's point, research can be your opportunity that maybe if there's something that you're interested in and you're like not sure if you would like it or not it's kind of a way to try something out just a little bit because i knew i was going to be doing like crazy like my internships kind of energy focused right now but i was like okay like i'll be having that experience energy wise might as well try this more biomedical side of mechanical engineering for my research which ends up being a great experience because then it just gives you so much kind of depth in an area that maybe you wouldn't have had exposure to or like I know so many research projects are very specific and you're like, okay, like, why would I ever want to focus on this? Or like, I know so many people, you know, even outside of engineering who are doing like very, very like specific niche research. But I think that's so cool because A, it's like applicable in some way to things that are important and B, just like having, like gaining the skills that you get through doing research, I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. And then something that I think Kate said, you're like, oh, like I'm a convert, like changing the stereotypes (laughs) of engineering, which I think is so true. And like how so many people think like, oh my gosh, like engineering, just like sitting, like doing math and physics, like whatever, which is, I mean, which is true. (laughs) However, like I do really think the creativity side of engineering, if people are like creatively inclined, it's definitely like an underrated aspect of engineering that I feel like if people knew more about how big of a component it is in the field, they would maybe be, if somebody's like maybe creatively inclined, but they're like, oh, like they think engineering is just like what they think it is in their head. I feel like it is something that through the field and also through through research, like you're able to be creative about how you're solving the problems. It's not just like in class, like, oh, it's very regimented. This is the steps. That's kind of how what Toby was saying before mm-hmm. to tie it up. It's actually really interesting that you say that, though, like the classroom is more rigid and then the research is it kind of lets you let your creative side flow, which is interesting because I think a lot of people look at research like a job, like my job, I have to go there and do these statistics or do these kind of things. But problem solving is huge. 
I agree with you, Mary. I think, you know, when I was younger, I certainly didn't have that kind of appreciation for the creativity involved in something like engineering. And now I totally see it. And I think going back to what you were saying about, you know, sometimes the research projects that people you know, or people we all know we're working on are very narrow and very specific. And you think like, oh, this is like, I don't see how this relates or how this, what people are learning through this. But I think just the practice of that problem solving and of, of applying creativity to those problems is really the, the largest larger takeaway. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. We have. We've kind of <laughs> it's it's been great though. It has really really been such an interesting discussion mm-hmm. and um was there anything you three were hoping that we would talk about that we haven't touched on? Anything you wanted to be sure to say before we close? I just want to say start, you know, if if you're thinking about doing research, start early. Mm-hmm. Don't wait till senior year or even after you graduate to think, ah, oh, I, I should have done something. You know, it can be, I totally understand. I was like it the same way. It can look intimidating. You know, when you see all these polished, you know, finished masterpieces, and it can be like, wow, that's, that's a lot when you see all these graphs. But I hope by like listening, having people uncover the research process, it kind of opens it up and you can see it's not really that bad. And, you know, starting as, you know, like how I did as a freshman, um, or even a sophomore, you know, it, it's great to get your foot in the door. And then if you find out you like it, then even better, because you have the rest of your, you know, time in college to do more stuff. Yeah, I would say kind of reiterating what we we're a little bit talking about before, but as an ending comment, I would say definitely like as Toby was mentioning, like try to get involved as soon as you can. Um, like obviously like there can be a little bit of time to get your feet under you, but like getting involved, especially at a school like Penn State, regardless if it's at University Park or any of the other campuses, like getting involved is how you meet people and like become comfortable and like make such a big school seem small. So definitely that. Mm-hmm. And then what I was mentioning earlier a little bit, like not being afraid to reach out if you're interested in something, even if you're only a little bit interested in something, like if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Mm-hmm. You might as well, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? If you're a little bit interested in something, you never know what that could uncover, like an interest that you might have or an opportunity that might happen. Just being very open and allowing yourself to have experiences. So tack on to the end of that is that specifically if you're a freshman and a sophomore, if during your summers, the MCRU program, which we did, it's still going on. Most companies, if you're an engineer, do not will not take you for internships unless you finish your junior year. So if you want to have this great opportunity and make some money, then honestly, I think research is the best if you're finishing your freshman and sophomore year, especially. Excellent advice. Well, thank you to all three of you so much for such an interesting conversation and kudos to you all for all the great work you're doing. I'm excited to see where you go next. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again for having us. Yeah, thank you. This is fun. Wow, Jen, we made it through an entire conversation about engineering. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know that we were both nervous about not having enough technical background to understand what the heck we were talking about, but I have to say, now I kind of wish that I went into engineering. I feel really, you know, like I missed out on an opportunity to be this really creative problem solver. Well, that and and that they are able to impact the world in such a way. That's pretty powerful. I agree. Yeah. I loved how they talked about, you know, doing research as a way to move beyond the classroom to practice that creativity in and make their work have real world impact through that club, for example. Yeah, the Engineers Without Borders Club. How cool was that? Like, mm-hmm. that's that's impressive. They're mm-hmm. making a difference, like, in the world before they even graduate college. And 
that's a powerful sense of like how you can use your knowledge skills Mm -hmm. network. And it was really cool that they also got to kind of assume different roles in there. Mm -hmm. Really shows like how important it is to be able to collaborate and communicate with a wide range of stakeholders. And that is a really valuable experience that I think they're having and and clearly succeeding at. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, has your research taken you into unexpected places? Yes, physically or metaphorically. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you've seen how your research has helped to spark creativity, or you want to tell us how creativity is essential to your research, we want to hear from you. You can contact us at fc2c at psu.edu. That's fc, the number two, c at psu.edu. And don't forget to check out our show notes. And more importantly, stay tuned for our next episode of From Concept to Creation. Bring your curious mind. Thank you so much for listening to From Concept to Creation. This podcast would not be possible without the support of Penn State University and its amazing population of curious minds. Uncovering the process and inner workings of research can sometimes be messy, but it's also rewarding and so interesting. As always, we want you, our listeners, to be part of this community. So please send us your comments and your ideas. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform and tune in for the next episode.